2: Hi, my name's Dominic. And I'm Parker. And welcome everyone
1: to Craft, Craft Brews and Tons of cartoons.
2: of cartoons. Just a couple dudes Sip sipping brews,
1: out. talking tunes.
2: And this week we're tuning in to the month of October 2020. So grab a beer and let's get started.
1: Oh boy, this month, man. A lot. A lot.
0: I'm having trouble connecting to the internet.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We didn't even say Alexa, guys. What the hell? Stop!
0: No!
1: Alexa Alexa wants to be on our podcast. We should probably just let her. (sighs) Whatever. Yeah, guys.
2: October's been a crazy month for both animation news, trailers, but also our personal lives. Just a lot's been going on, and we're ready to just relax, talk about some not-so-good news here and there, some interesting news, some trailers, shows that we've been watching, you know, the tuning-in stuff we always do. But, of course, we like to start off with our breweries of the month. And for me, during my time... In October, I went to a brewery called Dot and Line Brewery in Fort Wayne when I was visiting my girlfriend's family. And they have this nice, delicious cream ale called the Hang and Bang. And it's really nice, really smooth. It's one of those breweries that just opened up this year, and yet they still make some really great beer even during this time. They sold out really quick. I was very impressed. It's very small, but based on the beers that I've had there, it was definitely one to check out for the future. So any people from Fort Wayne, Indiana, or anyone in Indiana listening, check out Dot and Line Brewery.
1: Nice. You know, once when weather and sickness and general stuff calm down, I think I'm definitely going to make a trek out there. I think I'm due for a road trip. Especially since my brewery is all the way over uh, on the Great Lakes. Erie Brewing Company, I'm going to recognize them for my brewery of the month. I had a family member who lives in Erie come down. Well, my family's from Erie. My family member was very gracious and brought down not just one six-pack, but two six-packs of goodness from Erie Brewing Company. They brought in their Autumn Seasonal, which is a pumpkin ale. So yeah, they brought us the Johnny Rails Pumpkin Ale, as well as the Derailed Black Cherry Cream Ale, which is very good, very, very drinkable. I mean, you know a brewery is good when their default base beer is a Scottish-style ale. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's some good stuff. It's uh, it's one I highly recommend to people if you're going to head to the East Coast or into the Great Lakes region, and it sounds like uh, if you're headed over to Indiana, it sounds like dot and lime is also well worth checking out
2: we also got some interesting brews today we're just chilling out as usual but you know it's end october i had to get another german beer i got distilled breweries weissenheimer hefeweizen ale it's fruity it's hazy and refreshing 5.2 alcohol by volume 16 ibu it's from normal illinois what an
1: interesting interesting city name I mean, I think it sounds like very much a city that's in Illinois. <laughs> and on my end, I'm uh, bringing back, much like you had a fest beer last week, I am. I got I decided to finally pull out a Marzen to round out October. This is the Fields and Ivy Brewery from Lawrence, Kansas. This is their October Fest.
2: All right, let's crack them open. Yeah. Got to admit, nice setup. It looks like your camera quality has improved.
1: That's cuz this is the camera that you gave me. Yay. <laughs> I've been using it for work and it's been a it's been very nice. Awesome.
2: All right, on my end it is definitely a pale yellow as all Hefeweizens usually are. A lot of carbonation, a lot of bubbly. You can see it rise a decent amount of head. In terms of sniff notes, definitely the usual when you are tasting ...and sniffing a Heth of Hefeweizen ale. Definitely fruity, clovey, hints of banana, all of that good stuff while still being bready. It is a typical, typical German-style lager that I'm really excited to try. And I'm just a fan of German beer. If you love beer and you haven't really had German beer, you're just used to your American lagers... And American ales, pale ales, IPAs, all that. That's great, but it seems like Germany is the king of brews, in my opinion. I definitely want to go to Oktoberfest in Germany one of these years. Hopefully while I'm still school. young.
1: Hold up. Actually had an actual Bavarian one. That'd be awesome. Hell yeah. How about you, bro? Um, so yeah, on my end, it's uh, malty. Nice, sweet, malty aroma with it. Nice amber color with some bubbles going up. Looks like a good Oktoberfest beer.
2: Awesome. Well, let's clink it. Tink. Tink. And sink it. (sighs) Yep. That's good German. That is
1: good German. Heck yeah.
2: I mean, obviously, mine tastes like a standard Hefeweizen. It's a little more on the acidic side. Not that that's a problem, but it's more of focusing on the flavor profile rather than the uh, style of beer itself, which sometimes Hefeweizens can just really focus on the flavor rather than the
1: entire experience. The body. Yes. The the mouthfeel, if you will. Mm
2: -hmm. But definitely more on the astringency side. It's very high.
1: I don't think that's a problem. Mm. I think it's pretty good. And, yeah. What about on your end, bud? Um, Definitely malty. Definitely kind of on the sweeter end. But very, uh, not overpowering in any way. This is definitely a really good, like, nice, crisp fall beer.
2: Heck, yeah.
1: Tastes like autumn.
2: Awesome, awesome. Well, those were our beers. But we got some news to go over what used to be called Tom Tucker News. It's just our news segment for tuning in. And we're going to start off with something very interesting. So Disney has decided to make Pixar's soul go straight to Disney+. And they're going to skip a theatrical run and decide to air it on Christmas. Christmas Day. Now, unlike the live-action Mulan soul will be available to any disney plus subscriber we kind of talked about this last month in terms of will they won't they and i think they made the right move personally and they definitely made the right move by not having us pay 30 dollars for an underwhelming live action movie
1: yeah that was probably their best move that they that they made with this This is kind of part of a larger thing, isn't it, Dominic? Yeah,
2: because also in news, Disney announced that a new distribution strategy was going to be focusing on its streaming services. A new global unit, media and entertainment distribution, headed by 14-year Disney veteran Kareem Daniel, will decide how the company's content will be distributed across its streaming networks and its traditional platforms from now on. Now... There's some pros and cons to this. One, uh, you know, streaming has been everything right now. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. this, I mean, it's about to be one year since Disney Plus has been a thing. And though it's a great library of a lot of stuff, their original stuff has been kind of lacking here and there. Though they've gotten a few things to really hit home, especially like... Hamilton and Mandalorian, and now the new Marvel live-action TV shows are about to hit the Disney Plus airwaves, but you see, like, Netflix right now, and you also see HBO Max, and Netflix had a huge year in terms of content, and not just that, just an animation in general. I mean, we had Kipo, we had BoJack, we're gonna talk about a few that just got released today, there's just a lot to be watching on Netflix. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
2: Now, Judy's the life of
0: the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: So then you got HBO Max that just came out, and they have Close Enough. They have book three of Infinity Train, and they have a good wealth of animation in their libraries. Honestly, it's a smart move. I am kind of disappointed that soul isn't in theaters because I still honestly kind of miss the theater experience and just the excitement of going into a movie theater to watch a movie that you've been anticipating for a while. But them deciding to make that move is smarter than just doing resting on their laurels, you
1: know? Yeah, that makes sense. In terms of this reorganization, it looks like there's also a content creation itself is going to, is sorted into three segments: studios, general entertainment, and sports. Studios looks like it's going to be all of like the main, you know, Walt Disney Animation, Pixar Animation Studio, Marvel Studio, those things. General entertainment is going to be quote episodic and long term content for streaming platforms. So it's be FX. 20th century television, Disney Channels, etc. These are all going to be kind of headed up by their own chair people. Sport, I assume it's going to be like the ESPN and that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It looks like they're just kind of restructuring their whole thing and to where they're being more selective in how overall, just being more selective in how they distribute.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they go forward. Obviously, but I mean, Soul going on Disney Plus for free was probably the best move they could have gone for. And the trailer that they released in conjunction to the announcement really got me more excited for Soul than I already had. And I think based on what I've seen so far, this might become another Pixar classic because it's all about jazz. It's about living life. It's about making the right choices. And they do it in just a fun way i'm really jazzed for it and that's not a pun i just happen to say it that way but we'll see what happens with disney plus especially when they're starting to roll in their newer content
1: indeed but speaking of newer content netflix had a big announcement for like a lot of announcements this month in general jesus
2: yeah, so Netflix announced that it plans to release six original animated features per year, which is yeah. like, oh boy. Although based on who just signed, that's definitely plausible. They got a lot of great content coming yeah, in. Good studios CEO Ted Sardanos was in an interview with Variety, and he said, "Our animation." ambition right now is not just to step up and be as big as someone who's doing it today. We're on a path to be releasing six animated features a year, which no major studio has ever done on top of the very healthy slate of animation series. And the way we think about those things is not to say, well, how do we do it like someone else has done it? Because no one's ever really done most of these functions at the scale we're doing The only way you could do that is to have a really trusted team who will make decisions and take them seriously and own them. So, really big step for the company, obviously. And it's nice to see that a platform is really focusing on not just the genre of animation, but the art form of animation. I think it's become more prevalent, especially this past decade and moving forward than probably ever has been. But, despite all this, you know, talk of doing all this stuff, Netflix's revenue has
1: dropped a lot. It's, well, it's slumped. It went up pretty significantly when the pandemic hit, because people are staying in more. They, you know, need entertainment to, like, remind them that they can't go outside. But then the growth started to slow pretty dramatically during the summer months, after it surged earlier. I mean given how absolutely weird Netflix handles their numbers I don't know how, how much of this is really impacting them in general they're still ahead they added 28 million subscribers Jesus. for the first nine months of the year um, largest annual increase in its history That's it, that growth so it's not like they've they're losing users the growth that they've had is just slowing down you know not terribly surprising but again i think the bigger impact is you know they're having all these absolutely massive expansions in what they develop only so much of that is getting people on board and it's more you know habits that are getting on board yeah. habits and tre- like general very general habits and trends that people that the populace is having that's leading to their success
2: yeah and i mean does a slump really mean that they're not doing well that's not necessarily true Especially based off of the stats that you gave out about how well yeah. they've been doing, so it's not really that big of a deal. But it's still. I mean, they're projected to, bring,
1: to up. bring on only six million more users in the f- uh, and over this autumn and winter.
2: That's still a big deal.
1: Six million. That is still a big deal.
2: Netflix also announced that they're going to be having a lot of alliances with a lot of anime studios. Like Nas, who did ID Invaded and Infinite Dendrogram, yeah. Uh, Science Saru, who did Japan Sinks twenty twenty and Keep Your Hands Off of Izokin, and yeah, baby Mappa, Yuriana. Studio Ice. Mappa, yeah. And then South Korea Studio Murr, which they've produced Cora, Legend of Korra, and Voltron Legendary Defender. You know they have production IG as well and bones and they continue to make really good deals. It's gonna be interesting to see what kind of products and projects that they come out with as the future holds.
1: Well considering they actually just like today, you know, as of this recording, announced what Animation Magazine calls, and Netflix adds five diverse anime titles to Slate, shares first look at top projects. And this is insane. Like a lot of like it's not so they have one, two three four five six seven so they announced five but they're also talking about like a bunch more that just came out today and this is everything including pacific rim the black the next cybertron movie i don't know what tr- even treese is the new season of be the beginning high-rise invasion like they just announced a lot of like anime slate the resident they talked a bit more about the resident evil cg miniseries that they're doing they are just pumping out stuff <laughs> over this the new godzilla anime from studio bones vampire in the garden yeah they're just like popping out so much stuff that honestly we just need to move on or because we we could literally just talk about all the stuff they just announced but we don't want to
2: you know Remember when we saw, and this was about a year ago, when we saw that announcement about the Elvis cartoon that was supposed to come up? I've been waiting for that, and I really want to see it. Me too. Especially because it sounds ridiculous and fun at the same time. But speaking of Netflix, a former Netflix showrunner has some exciting news.
1: Yeah, Noel Stevenson is... Back in the animation world. she is directing and writing an animated adaptation of her Eisner award-winning comic book series, Lumberjanes. This is going to be for HBO Max. It's going to be an animated special, so I don't know if they're going to, like, adapt anything from the comics itself or special that's just based on it. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see someone who takes a project from one medium and brings it into another one.
2: Yeah. It'll be exciting to see as well because, you know, she had a successful series in She-Ra and see how she follows up. It's always exciting to see how great showrunners follow up their projects. Um, I mean, we could be honest, to this day, we're still waiting for Alex Hirsch to do another project after doing Gravity Falls. Yeah. And he said he inked to deal with Netflix like, I don't know, three, four years ago. So, it was like, "When are you gonna um, do it, Alex Hirsch, huh?
1: When they to do it, Alex when you're I mean, we we know you're having fun playing King on Owl House, but you know, yeah, <laughs> but
2: yeah, it'll be exciting because I liked Shira. I wasn't in love with it like you were, but she did a really great job with how she tackled said project, so seeing her actually adapt her award winning comic book series. Has me excited and interested to see what she's got.
1: Me too. I'm looking forward to this one. And I'm, I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Another project I'm looking forward to is uh, the full upcoming season of Hell of a Boss. Heck yeah. Like this August, when we did our summer recap, we brought up that Has Been Hotel was fully picked up as a series by A24. And at this point, it's been announced that Hell of a Boss is going to get a full season
0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Medrano, a.k.a. Vivzi Pop, and Brandon Rogers will be teaming up with voiceover studio Horseless Cowboy to create the series. The full season, I guess, is slated to come out in fall 2021. I'm a little confused because they made an announcement earlier this month that they're going to release some hell of a boss stuff by the end of October. So we're still kinda of waiting on that. We got a few days left. But considering that, you know, Hell of Boss and Hasman are both very much like they came out in October last year. I'm not terribly surprised. Last year? Two years ago? Last year? Mm-hmm. They're October hits. They might come up with that. But yeah, so according to the article on Animation Magazine, there will be eight episodes that'll be about the assassination industry run by three imps in hell. It is co-written, starred by Brandon Rogers, and it also stars Richard Steven Horvitz. Of course. And Erica Lindbeck. They are working with Horseless Cowboy, like I said, and Horseless Cowboy has done everything from Ubisoft, Netflix, Remedy Entertainment, EA, which meh, and Google in writing, directing, voiceover, and performance capture content. So they are getting like some really good, serious creative backing, at least. For a, a web series on YouTube, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy.
2: It's gonna be good. Uh, the first, I think the I was more excited about this pilot than I was of
1: has Hazen been myself,
2: personally. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 I think,
1: think I think you're in agreement with a lot of people there.
2: Yeah, uh, there was just I don't know. I think people tend to gravitate towards more comedy than they do of like a really good story sometimes. But you know, good on them. And you know, Vizzy Pop is having a hell of a 2020 hmm. and a 2019. Just a whole year, even though this year sucks in terms of a lot of stuff, uh, she continues to get good news out of it. In world box office news, uh, Demon Slayer the movie Mugen Train tops the world box office.
1: Currently. Current Currently. box office. Even
2: though the United States box office is weird right now, uh, Demon Slayer's featured movie did amazing nhk reported that 3.4 million people saw demon slayer the movie in theaters in japan which is incredible Uh, the movie Mm -hmm. opened on a friday playing on 403 screens and the theaters enforced social distancing so that's good spacing out mask wearing moviegoers and in those three days the movie ranked uh raked in 44 million dollars which was more than the $30 million that Frozen 2 made in Japan during its first three days. The movie did better than any other theatrical motion picture on Earth during this opening weekend. And in comparison, the LA Times reported that there are fears movie theaters could be wiped out during COVID pandemic. <laughs> According to CNBC, Hollywood Studios could move more big-budget films to 2021. I have never read Demon Slayer, nor have I watched Demon demon slayer
1: so the funny part is this movie is basically just the third season huh it's like the third arc wow (laughs) they didn't do a third season they just made it into a into a movie the third season of an anime is topping the world (laughs) box office right now that's kind of smart see this is the kind of weird shit that i actually like from this year just weird stuff but now we kind of move con- we continue in Japan for our next bit. So Tekkaku Data Bank 2019 Anime Report. It slowed again. Major takeaways from the report from this uh, kind of data research institute in Japan. First off, revenue reported from 273 companies in the anime industry amounted to you know only 242. billion yen, about $2.3 billion. This is up 0.5% from 2018, but it is the lowest annual increase in 11 years. So again, it's growing, but the growth has slowed, kind of like Netflix. Average revenue per company was 88.99 million yen, aka $8.53 million. Only two companies get Declared bankruptcy this year, and one dissolved, which is a significant decrease from the 12 bankruptcy slash dissolutions from last year.
0: Damn.
1: The reasons were for the more stability in surviving companies were reported due to manpower shortages, uh, labor costs, and subcontracting costs that all were a bigger deal in 2018, all leveled out by 2019. That said, unpaid and delayed payment to animators was cited for the main reason for bankruptcy. A really big trend that continued through the year was greater capital tie-ups, collaborations, and acquisitions to produce anime, especially from companies outside of Japan. Named examples in the report include Netflix and Howliners Animation League and Colored Pencil Animation. So you remember how we were talking about like five different companies formed alliances with, uh, five different studios formed alliances with Netflix? Still happening. Still a trend. Major uh, short-term forecasts point to COVID-19 pandemic prompting more remote production and some production inefficiency as companies set up infrastructure to facilitate remote work. Other future forecasts include issues with manpower shortages that would likely not be able to meet with increased demand despite foreign investment. This would likely lead to tight production schedules and overall decreased productivity. Another trend is working to improve work conditions for animators as part of an overall awareness to reduce overwork at mid-level Japanese companies. So, definitely feels like a transition period that has only been slightly complicated by the pandemic. Um, Just because, you know, animation's had a major kick because of the pandemic. And I think we're starting to see that now. It'll be interesting to see next year, to see the, the 2020 report just given and the effects of the pandemic on the industry. So really looking forward to that in the meantime though slow decline in growth but still still growth
2: yeah we gotta make sure to really pay attention to the next report next year because it could either mean crazy things have happened or that somehow they've been able to stay afloat again so we're definitely gonna pay attention to that as well but what's another anime related thing parker
1: well, if you're looking for the next anime series to support, check out the offerings on Anime Fund, a platform for crowdfunding anime productions that is set to launch on November 3rd.
2: That's so nice of them. It um, is very nice. It's a. So, uh, aside from itself. crowdfunding, the site will also support promotional material, videos, and messaging alerts for active crowdfunding projects. Like many previous crowdfunding projects, Anime Fund will allow supporters to receive rewards such as supporters' names in the anime's credits, keyframes, and merchandise.
1: Well, the site's primarily in Japanese, but... Um, All you need I'm, is I'm, one
2: of those uh, translator gonna... programs on your laptop, and you'll be good to go.
1: Yeah, but definitely check it out when it fully launches next... Uh, basically this coming Monday. Yeah. In the meantime, we have a really big announcement. Tipmouse Vancouver employees move to unionize. In a vote participated in by 87% of the studio's workers, 98% voted in favor of joining IATSE Local 938, a.k.a. the Animation Guild.
2: Nice. That's good. Yeah. Um, Especially with the reports of mistreatment of employees from multiple studios
1: like last
2: year and a little bit of this year. There's been a lot of talk about that especially since we've started the podcast.
1: Indeed. Yeah, the so it's news good from Mr. Team. the right like. thing. So yeah, a bit of history is the uh local Animation Guild um they've been representing screen cartoonists and animators since 1952. They're one of the biggest representatives of people in this industry in Los Angeles. So this has been like a really big move for them and they are looking forward to uh doing even more for other animation Studios in Canada Sick The next move is going to involve The union employees and managers Negotiating a collective bargaining agreement For the employees in terms of Pay and conditions So typical union stuff
2: Heck yeah So good job on the Titmouse employees For making the first step Into hopefully Good change in the animation world And then finally Our last bit of news is kind of like a interesting one Uh, Just a little something
1: fun. Um, Just a nice, light, low-key between all the numbers and pandemic stuff.
2: Now, we don't really watch football or soccer, as Americans will try to have you believe. But the biggest news is that Juan Roman, a 27-year-old football player formerly on the books both Manchester City and Barcelona has officially changed his name to Goku. Yes, Goku from Dragon Ball. Um, Goku currently plays in Poland for Mitz Legnica. I don't know if I'm spelling it right, but it that sounds right. He seems to have made the change a few weeks back, but given the relative obscurity of the league he's playing in, most folks are only finding out now reporting... On through this. So his explanation for the move was captured by this Spanish sports site. And he said, I am grateful to Juan for everything I lived and the positive things and lessons i have been given to me, but now I am Goku. <laughs> I choose that name because I feel identified with its values and what it represents to me. Perseverance, empathy, growth against obstacles, light, and positivity. I only ask to respect my decision, as many people is already doing. Uh, always moving always moving forward Uh, I send you all my love and yeah he seems to be taking this really seriously and has been using the Goku Reborn hashtag on all of his recent posts so maybe this is part of a motivational push to get back to the bigger European leagues he grew up in before a recent slide that saw him playing in Cyprus we're not really huge soccer people
1: But we are big Dragon Ball fans. Yeah,
2: so you're our new favorite player. You are the podcast official player. And I will make sure to pay attention to what you are doing,
1: personally. Hey, good on you, Goku.
2: Go get him, Goku. But now we're going to be talking about all the trailers we've seen. And boy, howdy. There There are are a lot. lot of them. And we're probably not oh going to get through them all, but we're going to do as much as we can.
1: Starting off, we have Invincible, which I am excited for. So they announced Amazon Prime is going to take on a the anime adaptation of Robert Kirkman's Invincible comic book. Kirkman started writing this many years back. Uh, it's going to... St- <gasps> I just realized it. Steven Yuen yeah and, and jk simmons. simmons are in it okay um so for those of you who don't know robert kirkman legendary mind behind a little show you may have known as the walking dead uh also the comic and i think he's sort of in one of the like main editors at image comics he puts out a lot of comics uh, this is actually like his third tv show based on one of his comics is so the other one is called outcast that is a very underrated horror show uh, I think it was on Cinemax, but like speaking of someone who has read and generally enjoyed the Invincible comics, this looks like a really good kind of adult-oriented, but not like in the, the boys kind of way, adult-oriented superhero show that is very much in vain, both art aesthetically and in tone with the comics, so I'm pretty excited for that.
2: Yeah, and they got a lot of great talent for it, obviously. Parker freaked out over Stephen Wynn. I Ewan. knew J.K.
1: Simmons was in it. J.K. Simmons. I'm glad he's playing Omni-Man.
2: But Sandra O's in it. Mark Hamill. Yes. Seth Rogen. Yes. Gillian Jacobs. Andrew Anelis. Yes. Jason yes. Manzoukas. Yes. Chris Demetopoulos. Marlise Zhao. Kevin Michael Richardson. Gray Griffin. Max Burkholder. A lot of stuff has been announced. I think also that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg <laughs> are going to be co-directing and producing it.
1: That fits. It's
2: going to be fits. very interesting. i oh, never good. read Invincible, but it's got great voice acting in it. You could already tell. And I'm excited to see where it goes. And the animation is just, like, crisp. It's stellar. Based on yeah. the first trailer. Once that comes out, I... Definitely need to make it a priority. I still haven't watched that one, uh, animated series with Bob Odenkirk on Amazon Prime. It was the one with the kind of like the pastel, yeah. pastel
1: like animation. You know what I'm talking about? Give me one sec. Give me one second. Undone. Yes, undone. Undone. Also quite good. Yes. Kind of different in tone, but yes. Um, honestly, I think I'm gonna do a thing going forward. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a bit later. We'll talk about Amazon Prime a little bit later. So, Apple TV is bringing back uh, some pretty good nostalgia, Dominic.
2: Yes. We just saw the trailer for The Snoopy Show, which is basically just new Peanuts cartoons. And this is great. Uh, I'm a huge... I grew up with the Peanuts. I have a real connection with the Peanuts. I used to own... Like VHS's of all these Peanuts specials and everything. I'm a huge fan of the Peanuts movie in 2015 was probably one of my favorite anime movies in the last decade. I was going to put this in the news, but since we were talking about the Snoopy show, uh, I thought we could talk about it here. But because Apple now owns all the property of the Peanuts, there will not be any ABC specials. Of the Peanuts shorts at all this year, or oh, from now on? Fooey. Yeah. So ABC well, thanks Apple has been doing it for I think the last thirty years, or it's been on it's been on television for the last you know ever since it showed up. Yeah. And now they're just advertising to be like, you want to watch the specials? Go to Apple TV, and it's like. <laughs> why once the only reason i'd get apple tv is i guess for this and for central park which i've talked about previously but yeah but for what the trailer is it's cute it's snoopy it's great and i hope they really keep the bill melendez yes i hope he is they still use old clips of no no sorry sorry Lee Mendelson. I hope they keep his, uh, voice as Snoopy mm, in okay. the shorts. Like, cause they did that in the Peanuts movie that came mm. out and I thought it was perfect. Like they just kept the old clips and old recordings that they recorded for him.
1: So. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. So, um moving back to netflix real quick we have blood of zeus so this is interesting mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways so blood of zeus is a powerhouse animation production so castlevania seismanos looks very castlevania and it's braced it looks like it's based on greek myth specifically the series revolves around heron a demigod son of zeus attempting to save heaven and earth it doesn't have a very good Wikipedia page so far. Oh no! no. Uh, formerly known as Gods and Heroes. So on one hand, it's powerhouse animation. It looks like Castlevania, but it's also not you know problematically written by Warren Ellis at this point. So it still has that pretty cool, a very stylized look to like fantasy look to it. That said, the writers are Charlie and Vlas Parlapenidis. Pen- Guess who they are?
2: writers for the death note movie that
1: live action death note movie yes. yeah it came out literally today october 27th today of recording mm-hmm. so uh, i feel like this could go either way
2: yeah the animation in the trailer looks great the story looks confusing oh, yeah. uh-huh. but i mean it's one of those wait till you guys see it kind of things though it is out I'm excited to check it out, and you know the way Netflix has been pushing out animation series, like for a better part of a year, has been impressive. Candy.
1: Like they bought too, like they bought too much Halloween candy, and there aren't enough trick or treaters on your street.
2: Very, very true. Then we got
1: uh new
2: Evangelion 3.0 and 1.0 trailer and the release. Yeah, of- baby! I haven't seen any of the new movies. Yes, or, yes, you know, yes, I've only yes. seen the I'm original so material, but it sets so a excited. release in Japan on January 23rd. And, you know, yes. if you can't tell Parker's like crazy,
1: it was delayed, which meant it was delayed coming to the U.S. I have been waiting years, Dominic, years for this thing to come out. I am also still willing to wait, but still, I'm very excited that we have just a little bit more with this. Also, for some reason, the title now has a repeat sign at the end of it, like a musical notation repeat sign, right? Mm-hmm. Which is very cryptic. And I think that's actually new, relatively new. I- but yeah, no, that, makes me, that makes me very happy. Of course it does.
2: Then we got a uh, Raya and the Last Dragon teaser trailer. So Raya and the Last Dragon has been very interesting. It's you know, been you... the princess movie. Well, I don't know if it's a princess movie, but it's been the next Disney animated film that is female oriented, and kind of in that princess section, of and not Frozen. Yes, and yeah, the trailer came out, and Parker, what'd you think?
1: Well, one, I think it's really weird that you can call a two-minute trailer a teaser, but whatever. Anyway, I thought, I don't know, I thought, I thought it was. You-
0: Plus.
1: It's kind of a, almost more of a, an adventure story than it is a kind of more of a fairy tale. So I, I watched this and I was like, okay, you know what? I am on board. This is probably the most I have been on board for a Disney movie in a very long time. You, on the other hand. I do not know how I feel about this.
2: Okay. So a few months ago, we didn't really talk about it in the news. Summer. But yeah. The big thing was that Cartoon Brew reported that seven months before the release of Ryan the Last Dragon, Walt Disney Animation Studios has dropped a big bombshell that it announced three new directors slash co-directors on the film, as well as adding mm. a new producer and recasting the lead voice actress. The main huh. <laughs> So if you're if you're if you're kind of getting the vibe of where I'm going with this, obviously.
1: Too Many Cooks Ruins the Soup?
2: No, obviously, like, this was reported, like, way after the fact that this happened. They weren't made as the article was out in August. Mm. It was, like, obviously before. But to me, a big thing is that I feel like they got those original directors and voice actors for a reason... And then they decided to go into a different direction and ruin with the original concept and the idea of this film. And because of that, it kind of has a Snyder Cut feel to this movie. And though the animation looks cool, though there's like definitely a Korra vibe, because a lot of people are comparing the first scene that's shown... in the teaser, as she looks kinda like Cora. But mm. I just don't know how I feel about it.
1: Well, that would explain why it's like a two minute long teaser that doesn't actually have any real dialogue to it. A-
2: and the and the main thing is that they already had to push back their original air of this film, which was gonna be this year around, you know, November. And the main problem that I have is because I watched the behind-the-scenes documentary of the making of Frozen 2, and I, I've mentioned it before in on this podcast, but when it comes to deadlines, they really kind of rush certain things. Now, granted, they've had more time due to COVID, but with adding a new director, a new producer, and a frickin' new actress to play your lead, that just seems like you're rushing to ruin something that could potentially be great especially since frozen 2 even though a lot of people like it was definitely not on par with their previous films or even frozen the original so i'm just a little skeptical but the animation obviously is great and fantastic i'm just gonna have to see how this story goes Especially since I'm confused about the whole, you know, shelled hedgehog guy, animal, hmm. don't even know what yeah. that
1: is. The cute creature. It's, I guess it's like an armadillo, like a mythic armadillo.
2: But, yeah. in terms of a great trailer, hello, mm-hmm. reboots are symptomatic of a fundamental lack of originality in Hollywood. Have you no shame? Here's your big-ass check for the animation reboots, you sellouts. What a great way. So Animaniacs is obviously coming out on November 20th, and you'll definitely hear us talking about it around that time. But the main thing is there's been a lot going on with the Animaniacs. Uh, There was three Mm -hmm. trailers and sneak peeks that have happened over this past month. The first one was showing that Look at the behind the scenes. We're kind of showing you the intro. We're having you show the new kind of animation they're going for, and the behind the scenes of like the actors. You know, Rob Paulson Maurice LaMarche. I forget the other two. I always do. I, it sucks. I know. Jess Harnell, right? Tress McNeil. Yeah. All those guys are back, and there was a lot of excitement for it. But then the next trailer was a sneak peek. Of a scene and it was a spoof on Jurassic Park that was <laughs> hilarious and they were like it's it's the water brothers and then uh, <laughs> Steven Spielberg is like the doctor from Jurassic Park he's like yes uh, uh, I reanimate it and then they have a Jeff Goldblum impersonator and then instead of the lawyer in Jurassic Park they have an executive from Hulu that says, i are going to make so much money from this. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: That's some good stuff. And then it's, obviously it's fun... the
2: trailer that I mentioned, there's just a lot of excitement. The animation seems crisp, but obviously I don't, I don't know if it's just me. I don't think it's as fluid as what it used to be. Uh, there's like moments of like pure solid smoothness and then there's moments of like choppiness that i sometimes get worried about when it comes to new animation but it seems like they're going to be on top of their game and i am just genuinely really excited for the new animaniacs
1: it looks pretty solid and might as well let people know now we will be covering the new animaniacs when it comes out later in november Yes. Uh, the only other thing, in terms of trailers, real quick, they're, like, animation just... Netflix dropped a bunch of different anime stuff today that we didn't have time to compile. Uh, like, they had the new Godzilla, Godzilla Singular Point, which is by Studio Bones. Mm-hmm. Just so much stuff. Like, Pacific Rim, the black. Of these, Godzilla Singular Point probably has the best-looking trailer, even though it's only a minute long. The one that I'm most probably more most excited for is the very violent very 90s anime high-rise invasion okay. so that looks good for me that looks that looks right up my very much in a halloween mood right now alley and it is coming out in february which is just in time for my birthday yeah
2: hell yeah
1: we speak of getting in a spooky halloweeny move uh what have we been watching over these last over this past month
2: well there's a lot of stuff we can talk about we we're gonna try and go as quickly and smoothly as possible for you guys But I still haven't seen it. But why don't you start off with one of our favorite shows, Amphibia?
1: Yes. So uh, Amphibia had their kind of treehouse of horror called The Shut-In, which it's a kind of a, you know, very treehouse of horror. Very, like, especially the old school version where it's like literally them telling scary stories in a treehouse. And there's a framing device where they are all shut in on a, you know, one of the many horrific threats that is in the land of amphibia they shut themselves in for the night in order to avoid a blue moon and they tell scary but also true stories to each other we have phone mo which is a very very creepy pasta oriented like very modern feeling scary story so pretty cool dead end from hot pop we get to learn how hot pop lost his hair and it's honestly kind of horrific oh god and then we have skin deep from sprig which follows him and his female, his female friend that he also kind of has a crush on, and how they uncover a will have a run-in with a uh, kind of folkloric monster. And boy, howdy does this like frog skins character just freaking sca- really scary character design? Just I can't believe they got away with honestly a lot of the stuff in this sh- in this. But I especially can't get it, believe they got away with the frog skins thing. Honestly, very fun, very funny, genuinely creepy in some points episode. Honestly, like Laurel's all around Amphibia crew. You knocked it out of the park. I'm
2: definitely going to have to check that out because, you know, I think you and I both agree Amphibia is probably the most fun Disney show on right now and Mm. probably the most consistent. Mm. They're always going to be great, and I'm always going to love them. But something we both watched... But you watched, after I did, Infinity Train Book 3. Finally caught up, baby. Yes. What did you think about it?
1: I thought it was a very solid follow-up. I will say it is also very different compared to the prior seasons. Mm -hmm. It's very self-contained in a lot of ways. It doesn't really build on the mythology of the show. So this follows Apex and Amelia, who are followed up upon. But that's, you know, the cat appears. The Corgi Turtle Alliance is apparently a thing, but really the focus is on the relationship between Grace and Simon, along with a mysterious new possible passenger on the train, Hazel, her companion, Tuba. And it's all about empathy, like lies people tell to each other, or lies that they tell in order to survive. People maladjusting to their environment, toxic relationships, in all is a very—it's a lot darker, it's a lot more grounded, and it's a lot more dramatic and a lot more character-oriented. Previous seasons, and the like, big dark hook comes in early. Just to warn you all, honestly, still, still very good though. Uh, very, it's, it's good we get some follow-up on some things while also having a very self-contained story. I think my favorite scene was when Grace pulled the memory tape. Mm -hmm. out of her head because that was just really gross yeah oh yeah sound design and visual design wise just grody yeah fun times i kind of am hoping that we get another season from this because it's uh i think like out of all the seasons this is the one that needs the most follow-up
2: for sure i thought this was the probably the darkest one yet Mm -hmm. or at least in terms of like the stakes man Simon just went down a path, huh?
1: Oh, the shit that oh, was. Dude. He did, and it was a lot of fun, honestly.
2: Yes. It shows that he went through a lot of crap even before he started doing his like turn and with the Apex. Uh, Milia was pretty cool
1: seeing her back. Can't believe they got uh, Cersei Lannister. Yes. Mama. <laughs> um, it's- Lena Hetty it is
2: good to have her back and i was surprised and it most likely if they are going to do a season four it's going to be hazel and amelia with little bits and of pieces of the apex showing up there there's no more tulip
1: it's just done solidly up i mean kind of spoiler alert but there was no one one yeah the season Which, damn.
2: The only part of Um, 1-1 was the cards that they gave Amelia to act mm -hmm. upon. Yep. So, yeah, uh, in terms of the show itself, it seems as though they're really trying to get Season 4 greenlit, but it's also dependent on people watching it on HBO Max. So if you really want to keep it going, keep watching it.
1: Speaking of shows that are from uh, Cartoon Network slash Adult Swim, Season... Two of Geddy Tartakovsky's Primal is on it has been running on uh, Adult Swim and it's for one really weird to have a show that's like actually a weekly show that you can't like binge but um, it's pretty fun it actually picks up the story picks off right after the last season ends uh, there is that uh, zombie that zombie dinosaur episode that appeared in on April Fool's Day but then it goes kind of picks up right after the whole eight man fiasco with fang in very dire straits and then spear needs to get her recuperated and it turns out treating a dinosaur with stone age medicine is pretty difficult also very adorable who knew that said the scene with spear facing down the hyenas and then fang just bursting out of the cave metal absolute metal i'm so glad these two are back i'm so glad the show is back and honestly the outstanding episode at least so far is probably one of the most recent which is coven of the damned which, boy, I went into this expecting, like, some really spooky shit, especially since we've effectively revealed that there is actual supernatural stuff going on in the show, or that it's possible in the show. But that takes a backseat to kind of the more of a slow-burn drama that happens, and I just ended up getting kicked in the heart. Just astounding the amount of emotionality and and tying your emotions to a character you can do without even without dialogue. So outstanding job with coven of the damned yeah from primal yeah
2: oh cool again so yeah good st- it's the show that everyone recommends right now i still haven't watched it
1: it is quite good and you really and it is one you actually have to like sit down and watch because there's no no dialogue you actually have to watch it rounding out for me uh in terms of exclusive stuff Higarashi when they cry so kind of a remake slash sequel that you know very much in the vein of a lot of other stuff that are out right now of a fairly messed up anime that is based off of a kind of messed up quote-unquote kinetic novel which is like a a normal novel which is like a like a visual novel except there's no branching paths Mm -hmm. so it's just like a book that you read on your computer but there's visuals to it i don't know but it's a horror but it is a horror anime and it is just in time for Halloween. And so it's a lot of... It's fun to have this... It's kind of fun to have this back. So the original 2001 anime was uh, one of my main gateways into horror growing up. And uh, definitely got me involved in more of my weirder, creepier side. Uh, for better or for worse, this came out just in time for Halloween. So I am glad to revisit it. Um, it's pretty interesting because it's very much a wink... like i think they're trying to juggle it being for people who are new to the series while also giving people who watched the original one and who know about the franchise to su- some stuff to go on as such unlike the original series they start hinting at the, like the really big overall plot within season two so there's a lot less white knuckling paranoia and more mystery and intrigue and it kind of lets them get away with some pretty fun sh- foreshadowing and storytelling that is not present in the earlier anime. The biggest thing that pops out though is how much the original anime and the remake make for very a lesson in how trends in anime aesthetics change over time. The first series was really like really into the moe trend of the mid 2000s and this one goes for very contemporary. It's very bright colors lots of shines on the like those shining lines on the clothing and hair, Uh, simpler streamlined character designs, they actually look a bit like what they look like in the game, which fits. And also everything just kind of looks softer. So upside of this, everything looks softer, which makes the creepy moments really pop when things get creepy. That said, the overall soft color palette, and they, they aren't getting the lighting well, at least not within the first four episodes. So the violent scenes just don't, land as well as they did in the original honestly it's pretty interesting and i've heard that it's one of the to watch i've heard that this is one of the like anime to watch for the fall season and i can definitely concur with that
2: that seems like right up your alley
1: buddy it is you said you were you ended up rewatching something cool recently
2: uh yeah so the main things i watched this season I just got really excited about Clone High uh, being rebooted and back on Airwaves, so I decided to watch all of Clone High and binge it, and it's uh, available on YouTube pretty easily from Retro Rerun. They have the entire series, all four hours and 25 minutes of it, uh, available on YouTube, and gotta say, it's still really good. One of these days, we're gonna do a podcast on it. Like, no doubt, the comedy is it's not really dated, except for like certain things, like Ashley Angel from O Town, or like how Mandy Moore is in it. Like before, oh, yeah, before she even like did a lot of animation stuff. Jack Black makes an appearance. Marilyn mm-hmm. Manson has a mm-hmm. musical number. There's a lot of random celebrities that show up, including John Stamos, in a really funny gag. And I've, I forgot that it was Will Forte who was Abraham Lincoln. I'm really excited to see it come back, and I'm really excited to see what they're going to do. Especially since, honestly, the way Clone High ended was perfect for a reboot in the future. It It's like Phil Lord and Chris Miller were like, yeah, this show is going to get canceled. So let's put it on a cliffhanger in case it gets renewed. And we're going to freeze everyone <laughs> in order to do
1: it. I mean, considering the Lego movie and Into the Spider-Verse, they're pretty sharp guys. So I, could, I don't think they were like present, but they were like... We gotta end this in a way that we can use it. That we have a jumping-off point if we ever get it back. And they've
2: the been, they've been hinting at Clone High and like all their properties ever since. I mean, in the Lego Movie, the Abraham Lincoln scene, Will Forte was Abraham Lincoln. In mm-hmm. uh, Spider Verse, in one of the alternate verses, there was a uh, a a movie poster for Clone College. With Abe mm-hmm. and JFK showing up, they really have wanted to do this for a while. So, yeah,
1: glad it's coming back. Good on yes. MTV.
2: Now, in terms of stuff that we've watched, uh, let's talk about Archer and how it's going for this season.
1: Yeah. So, um, I know you're new. You haven't watched the last two. You didn't watch Danger Island, and you didn't watch the space one. Mm-mm. Correct. Okay. You haven't missed much, um, except for like maybe the last two episodes of season ten. But it's weird. I went go. I went. I was not impressed with Danger Island at all, and I was not. The space one was just kind of okay. This the season though. It's like honestly, probably the best season that they've had in a while.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think bringing it back to its original format was probably the best thing they could have done. I felt like. Those last three seasons when he was in the coma, it was like they were just trying to find. Because I think, honestly, Archer Vice kind of ruined it. Their uh, creative process.
0: I think, even though I think that they
1: Archer Vice is to. my favorite season, it is yeah. Archer we- Archer Vice is very fun. It's definitely a very big turning point for the show. They're, they reached a point where I think they just wanted to do a like they wanted to do this kind of comedy with these kinds of characters but with different settings beyond the spy thing Mm -hmm. and with this it's fun because they're they have not only overturned the status quo but they are meta about it they finally have like an overarching theme for for a season that fits in that is managed to fit in well with stuff that has like stuff that's brought up from previous seasons, stuff that is important for. St- I lost my train of thought. Um, no,
2: th- no, I I get what you're trying
1: to say. It's it seems like weirdly they have meta. A,
2: they have an idea, they're sticking with it, and it seems to be paying off,
1: though. It has, yeah.
2: The comedy isn't as great as what it used to be. I think it's still a return to form, especially with the last episode that aired where. Uh, we get to see uh, Archer and Lana's child.
1: Also, yes, yes, but also a rampage, which is why I was there. Hell yeah! Sorry, AJ. No, no, it's um, a, it's fun.
2: But do you honestly think that if it wasn't for the actual terrorist group ISIS, that things would be different?
1: I mean, they don't. It, the only difference is that they don't call it the they don't call the agency ISIS. Well, anymore. I
2: thought that. Uh, as soon as it was announced that ISIS was a terrorist group, that they went to Miami Vice. No, because they had a spy
1: season. To, mm. They had a spy season where they weren't. Um, where they weren't. They just weren't called ISIS.
2: Yeah, but that was after uh, Miami Vice. Then Slater took over as commander. I mean, well, here's the thing. Daesh, the
1: LA. Well, here's the thing. Daesh has been a thing for a while, and. And so far back as the early 2000s, it just became a main thing in the 2010s. So, I don't think that it was a direct contributor to them changing the status quo of the show. I think it like changed the one thing with their name. I'm, like truly, I think that they just want, like the creators of the show just wanted to do something different. Okay. Um, or at least just do something with these characters with this kind of same setup, but not doing the spy parody thing because i think they felt like the spy parody thing just they couldn't they didn't think they could sustain it anymore yeah. and honestly that they're not really even doing a like yeah this the setup is that it's kind of it's they are doing spy stuff again but it's not really a spy parody anymore yeah and
0: that's yeah, yeah. fine
1: all right i watched my first Ducktales my first ducktail <laughs> episode in like a very long while since, like the fir- the pilot for the remake, and uh, I-, I thought it was good. You probably have a I lot had of no questions. Idea. I have no idea what's going on. Why is there an Iron Man duck? Why wasn't That's... Webby in this episode? So, Gizmo Duck
2: is actually an original character from the original Ducktales
1: uh, okay. cartoon.
2: So he looked exactly like that, even
1: in the first. Uh, okay that's so. I mean that was that was wasn't actually a real question that was not actually my real question my real question was so Darkwing Duck in this universe was a TV show yes and then the lead actor became a real crime fighter
2: so what happened was and it's the episode that we talked about last year that I was like really geeked about when they had like a Darkwing Duck episode so they like the
1: Disney afternoon crossover thing
2: yeah kind of yeah um okay so what happened was is that yes it is a tv show and throughout all of ducktales up to that specific episode that i'm talking about uh they mentioned that it was a tv show and launchpad is a huge fan of it and what ends up happening in the episode i'm talking about is that launchpad meets the actor who played Darkwing Duck, who's played by Jim Cummings, like in the original. Mm. And they learn that there's going to be a reboot. So the original actor and Launchpad go to see who it is and guess what studio is producing it. It's Scrooge McDuck's studio (laughs) that's producing the film. And the guy that is Darkwing Duck in this let's get dangerous special was the actor and okay basically at the end of the episode and i don't want to spoil it for you but at the end of the episode launchpad kind of convinces the actor to actually do it because during the climax of that specific episode he kind of proved that he could actually be a superhero so did, did you just say climax sorry i meant climax I didn't mean to say quite.
1: I thought you were. I thought. I thought you were making like. I thought that was a, a pun. pun. No. Um, but did I just say good? Good low peak. <laughs> low good low key pun.
2: But yes, it is the actor of the reboot that the reboot never came out, but he decided I'm gonna actually do it, and yeah, uh, Webby's not in it for a weird reason. I don't know. Um, also. With this special, there's also a plot narrative in season three. So I know that you might have questions about the buzzard guy and foul and stuff. I'm not
1: too worried. I'm not too hung up on it, though.
2: Yeah, that's all season three. So there's a lot of, like, intertwining stuff. But I think as a special, it was a lot of fun. And you could definitely tell all the actors were having a great time. What I recommend to you, Parker, is to watch the show.
1: Yeah, I have been doing that, I probably should rip the band-aid off while it's I, while I
2: it's it's really good. Maybe you didn't really focus on Disney afternoon when you were growing up, but if you watch it, you're still gonna have a great time.
1: All right, fair enough. So yeah, you so speaking of shows that I don't really watch last kids in Earth, season three. yes. Bruce Campbell, possibly.
2: Bruce Campbell was in it, yes. <laughs> um,
1: that's all I know about this show. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, uh, h- how was it?
2: You know, I've talked about this a little bit per tuning in uh, a few times, but it started off in September of last year, and it was a like an hour and a half special, right? And it's based mm-hmm. off of this book series that's become really popular. And then the next thing they made was a full season instead of a special. So they called that season two, and this is season three. It's basically, I don't know if I've told you the plot, but it's a dystopia where out of nowhere this giant portal shows up and zombies are starting to form, and then these monsters from another dimension start showing up. So you're not only getting a zombie apocalypse, you're getting a monster apocalypse at the same time. And these kids Mm -hmm. are by themselves in their city trying to survive. Yeah, also try to have fun because the main character, he's an orphan. Uh, He thinks his foster parents never really cared about him and he never really had any friends. So he tries to make the most of it by trying to make every day the best day ever. He has a baseball bat kind of sword weapon. He tries to have as many adventures as possible. And his main goal is like, dude, this is the best life, I'm kicking butt, while also getting whatever I want, basically, and doing things I never could have if I was just a normal kid, that's really a huge focus. And what I think they really succeed in this series is taking silly concepts and yet putting a a lot of emotion to it. They have certain beats of, like, you know, you're missing your family, even though you're trying to have fun and, like, living your own lives. While this whole thing's happening, you're, like, you know, doubt, uh, missing family members, figuring out if, like, you're the only humans left, maybe figuring out if there's any way to become friends with the monsters, how to figure out how to finally get rid of these zombies, what's it going to take in order to make the cure, it, a lot of that is a factor of it and yet they do it in great emotional ways and it it's not like it definitely has you know kiddish jokes and dumb stuff and everything but there's a lot of fun uh, attitude towards the show itself I mean Mark Hamill and Bruce Campbell are part of the show as well as yeah. Rosie Dawson that's who oh, I was yeah. talking about also Ros- cool. Rosario Dawson as the main antagonist and Keith David was in season two when he did a really great job. But I really got to hand it to the writing of the show. And maybe it has to do with the creator of The Last Kids on Earth in general. But hmm. it's it's pretty darn good.
1: Appreciate it. It's on Netflix, right?
2: Yes, it's on Netflix. It's really good. It's ten episodes a season and there's only okay. two full seasons and then one hour and a half special.
1: Okay, cool. I can I can appreciate going over to the cartoon side to kind of round things out, keeping it and keeping it spoopy. Craig of the Creek mm-hmm. is you know, also Cartoon Network has just such a weird release schedule with oh, everything. Yeah. But luckily we get some Crick of the Creek for October and especially for Spooky Season. And they get a couple of pretty sweet Halloween-y episodes in. Most of one is probably Trick or Creek, which is like the actual Halloween episode. Like they've done Halloween episodes, but this is like an episode that actually takes place during Halloween. And it's a lot of fun. It's mostly just about them. Basically all the kids pay for their snacks from the snack tree with candy. Uh, But they also run tabs, and the lady who runs that is, like, collecting at this point. So uh, people got to get candy on Halloween to make that happen. Uh, And there's a really cool thing regarding, like, that, you know, Craig the Creek always likes to touch upon, like, this weird magic real. Like, is it, like, fantasy, or is there, like, uh, some weird but plausible explanation? And they have one in this episode, kind of like they do in all all their Halloween episodes. So I really appreciate that um they also there's also just a really good line from kelsey and one of the reasons why i love the show is just these one lines that the characters get which is we can threaten adults for candy and they can't do anything about it <laughs> which is very much like halloween also that's what that um weird asian candy kid does and he and when he harasses terry cruz terry cruz so that's fun Craig's parents, speaking of Terry Cruz, uh, Terry Cruz and you know, Craig's father and Nicole uh, Craig's mother have really spot on costumes, which I think is like a big highlight of the show. Uh, basically, you get to see Terry Cruz do his best Urkel impression. Ooh. Which is fun. Uh, and then uh, Nicole's voice actress does a really cool thing with uh, Missy Elliott that's just a lot of fun. They, they, I think the writers had a lot of fun in this episode. Um, the other one just to round things out creature feature, which is uh, kind of that thing where you're a kid and you see a horror film and then uh, you get really scared of a, of a monster and then you go to the Creek and you're talking about it with your friends. And then it turns out the monster is like possibly real and it follows you back home. Um, and you're having to like deal with your brother, older brother, who's kind of a jack off about it, but his friends are pretty cool. So, you know, it's a good word anyway. Um, Anyway, so, yeah, uh, it's a fun one. It's kind of a weird pastiche on, like, uh, horror films. And there's just... there's It has a very, you know, the, the writers get back into their cool... Um, they, have, they play with it in, like, kind of unconventionally with their own sense of humor. It's a pretty solid episode as well. So, yeah, Craig of the Creek. Very good for Halloween. Awesome. We've gone a lot for this and um unfortunately we have a little bit more to go uh, just a little with, bit you know, more though about yeah, stuff we're, that's coming up yeah we're uh so yeah october is will effectively be done uh when this episode comes out uh it'll be the 30th it'll be devil's night and then halloween itself and then november 1st and in november we get some cool shows coming out
2: yeah the great cool pretender season two yeah baby hell yeah yeah yep hand. that's coming
1: out yeah that'll be the um the wizard of the far east i think mm-hmm. uh wizard of the far east saga and it'll be primarily about what's the french guy's name lamar dumont dumont-hmm great yeah and this is wit studio which i definitely can see considering how much this uh how much Great Return took off? I can definitely see why uh, Netflix is pairing up with Netflix. But
2: Netflix is pairing up with Netflix.
1: Studio Wit is pairing up with Netflix. It, you may it um, seem like
2: Netflix is pairing up with dot 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 Netflix. So sorry.
1: Yeah, my bad. So yeah, Wizard of the Far East. and it, it is going to be primarily about Laurent, which uh, we finally get a we finally get some answers about this weird French con man that has uh, been a constant presence in the series yep it's coming out uh netflix november 25th hell yeah
2: yeah and then we got animaniacs obviously which we're going to talk about and then the blood of zeus which is out currently uh there's probably a lot of other stuff that's coming out that we don't know about but it is
1: is there anything that you're looking to watch in particular in november I'm gonna watch Over the Moon.
2: Yeah, there uh, you. that new movie coming
1: out. I'm oh, gonna watch that. Out.
2: I'm going to make it a priority to watch
1: Primal. Good man. Yeah, it'll still be playing in November, so that'll uh, we'll we'll get to talk about the last half of the season when uh, that comes about. So you you mentioned Retro re- Rewind earlier, and I was holding off this entire thing. So holding off this entire thing talk about this. So I think one th- I have learned that Amazon Prime is weirdly good with a lot of um different with anime but also especially old school anime that is through the retro rewind uh license. Yes, retro rerun. Retro rerun. Um so it'll be really so yeah, it's pretty cool because like honestly, yeah, a certain uh uh rock and roll based movie that we covered earlier this year is actually on Amazon Prime now because of that. Um, but, you know, they have, like, memories from uh, the director of Akira, mm-hmm. for example. They have a, just a lot of good anime in general. But one in particular that I think I'm going to watch is a weird Saturday morning cartoon called Cyber Six. Mm-hmm. It is based off an Ar- Argentinian comic. And speaking of someone who is a big fan of, like, weird, darker 90s cartoons, I think this is definitely at my alley. So I'm really excited to watch it.
2: Nice. Good. Hell yeah. Yeah, so that this was tuning in. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. It's been a very interesting, interesting month full of tons of news, and we're glad that you were able to help us go through it all. Uh, you're probably listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube, Castbox, Pod Hero, anything and anywhere that you can hear us, please follow us on all those also give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts really helps with the show all that good stuff follow us on Facebook and like our page at facebook.com forward slash craft brews tunes get all of our news all of our podcast stuff everything about that uh, instagram at craft brews tunes pod obviously the same thing there and then you can follow us in the untapped app as craft brews tunes and then if you want to follow me personally it's at dominic malner for instagram twitter and tiktok and d malner on the untapped app
1: you can follow me as par underscore quad on the untapped app you can follow us you said facebook Mm facebook.com slash craft brews tunes uh and if you you know if you're an older kind of old school dude like a hipster like me you can send us an email at domin park productions at gmail.com And this next month is going to be full of a ton
2: of fun podcasts. What do we got?
1: We're going to go Under the Red Hood with, well, one, my favorite Batman movie, Under the Red Hood, and its follow-up, Death in the Family. Some 10th anniversary goodness right there. What else we got?
2: We also are shedding the VO spotlight on Cree Summer, a very legendary voice actress.
1: And we are capping it all off by saying goodbye to a kind of a a gem, an animated gem that has uh, appeared throughout this year, Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beasts.
2: Yeah, such a great series. And we're going to give our farewell to it. Man, it only was out for a year and yet it's already over. What the heck?
1: Well, you know, we're going to talk about longevity. We're going to talk about endings for one. Uh, especially for shows that are kind of like well planned versus like unplanned endings, and uh, you know we're definitely going to talk about the music. Oh God, yes, the music. And yeah, We have to talk oh, about the music because it's, yes. it's Kipo, man.
2: But guys, another great podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Take care and get ready for Kipo in the Age of the Wonderbeasts next week.
1: Happy Halloween, everyone. be safe.